Good evening, everyone. Go ahead and turn to the uh, book of Jonah once again. The book of Jonah once again, lesson number nine. Lesson number nine. And we're uh, on the back half now on this. And the... uh, the lesson title for tonight, as you can see on your book, on your uh, handouts there, is The Pronouncement of Judgment. Again, it kind of, once again, pretty much like all these have kind of been, it's not just necessarily like walking through narrative on the lessons and on the, on like the story and talking through it like that, but it's almost more of, more themed kind of in a way of uh, the scripture and then just some themes and lessons drawn drawn from that. And again, once again, tonight, as, as it was last night, I kind of feel, or uh, last week, it's just some really good, um, really good thoughts and ways maybe of thinking about stuff, maybe that you haven't thought, or just we need reminders of. Um, we'll go ahead and start in our, our text here, which actually, before we even do that, I'll just go ahead and pray for us. Lord, as we um, come before um, come before you this evening, I do thank you for Thank you for your word, and then the just the lesson here from Jonah. Um, we're going to see once again, and I ask that you just uh, take me out of the way and let your word speak to um, hearts and lives this evening, and just um, as as your word is opened again, that you would just be working in our hearts and lives, and um, that someone, that everybody can be able to take something away from, um, from the lesson tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jonah chapter number 3, kind of the key verses for this evening. Jonah 3 and then verses 1 to 4. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city. Of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Anybody need a pencil or anything tonight? Okay. When God gets an obedient servant, things can change very fast. As you see here, God has the power to change lives, but it's often the backslidden condition of his people that holds back that power. <coughs> Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. It's a lesson theme um, to look at this evening. Philip's Phillips Brooks once said, preaching is truth and personality. In other words, you can't separate the message from the messenger. They're intertwined and must work together, which is kind of interesting, interesting things. It says, when God's word is preached by God's man in God's way, watch out. Revival's on the way. So some lesson objectives to think about tonight. To help us understand that God has a solution to man's problem. And also to think about and 
to bring our behavior into sync with the message that we believe. And also to challenge us to to simply use God's word as a powerful weapon in the culture that we live in. And then fourth, just to give an understanding of the resistance that can come when the word of God is preached and lived in our lives. So getting into the the meat of the lesson here, of course, we already read the text, uh, verses 1 to 4 there, chapter 3, that finally God had a willing and an obedient servant in Jonah. That's the good news. The bad news is how many people died in there during the time that he was messing around and not obeying. Who knows? Now, we often marvel at testimonies of people who are saved out of terrible lifestyles of sin and disgrace. I have a tendency very much to think, you know, do about that, you know, the drug addict you know, who gets saved or the profile, profile person who gets saved. You know, certainly we should not underestimate the power of such a testimony, but how many more people could have been reached had that person been saved at a young age and given their whole life to God? Says, One Sunday afternoon, a pastor friend of D.L. Moody asked him how many people were saved in his services that morning. And he responded, two and a half. So the friend said, oh, you mean you had two adults and one kid saved? And he said, no, he had two kids and one adult. See, the adult had already wasted half of his life. So Moody only counted him as half. Of course, Regardless of when you got saved, we can make the rest of our lives count for God. So we shouldn't waste another moment of that that could be used in his service to the one who saved you. So point number one, point number one here is in something matter. And all these main points, I'll start with the letter U. That is correct. An urgent matter. So this is uh, starting getting into the verses on your sheet there. But David said in 1 Samuel 21, 8. That's the first verse whenever you're ready, Pastor. The king's business required haste. Paul challenges, uh, challenges us in Romans 13, 11 to 12. And uh, that, knowing the time... That now it, and knowing that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us part, put on the armor of light. And again in Ephesians 5.16. Give a little time because the days are evil. This isn't time to be sitting on the sidelines. Matthew 9, 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then Numbers 32, verse 6, shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? So main point A, both of these start with a P, start with a P. Something is God's answer. Preaching, that is correct. Preaching is God's answer. God's command to Jonah for Nineveh was to, verse 2, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. A man likes to think that he has the answers and the methods to communicate those answers, 
But God says something else in 1 Corinthians 1, 18-21. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And then God's word is called truth in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then in Titus 1, 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. That we have the answer to man's problems in his word. It's time we should start using it. Charles Spurgeon stated, it's blessed, It is blessed to eat in the very soul of the Bible until you come to talk in scriptural language, and your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord, so that your blood is bibline, and the very essence of the Bible flows through you. Isaiah 55, 10-11 For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sit. It's Isaiah 55, 10-11. So Subpoint B, we saw preaching is God's answer, and then something is God's advice. Think of the main point. Punctuality, similar. Starts with a P. something is an urgent matter, this is a good thing to have concerning it. Properness, it does end in ness. That helps. <laughs> Close. Promptness, kind of an interesting word, if that's a word. Promptness is God's advice. Jonah has learned the painful lesson of promptness. Nineveh was a city of three days' journey, according to Jonah 3.3. And then in verse 4, it records for us that Jonah entered into the city a day's journey. I mean, I guess you could take this a couple different ways. You know, perhaps he landed on dry land. It was only three days to Nineveh. But because of his eagerness now to obey God, he made it there in a day. Or probably more likely, Nineveh was a large city that took three days to travel across on foot. We see he went into the city a day's journey and began to preach. But in either case, you can see that Jonah was eager now <laughs> to deliver God's message. Perhaps maybe not completely with the right attitude, as we'll see later. But still, at least he was going now, wasn't he? This is a very, I never thought about this, but interesting thought. God always speaks his message in the present tense. 
He never says, get saved tomorrow or set your house in order someday. Look at these verses here. Psalm 95, 7 to 8. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Isaiah 1, 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's really interesting, isn't it? Think about that. That um, um, there may, I don't know if there's an exception somewhere, but you think about that, you know, when, when he talks to his prophets and stuff like that. Were they, what were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to go tomorrow? Generally, it's like, go now. So God speaks his message in the present tense, now, not future. If something's right to do, it's right to do today. And if it's worth doing, it's worth doing now. So again, we see an urgent, urgent matter that preaching is God's answer and promptness is God's advice. Now going on to point two, a something minister. Again, it starts with a U. <laughs> useful. A useful minister. There's nothing more satisfying in life than being used of God in some way for his glory. Now, after listing his resume in Philippians 3, 1 to 6, he writes this in verses 7 to 8. For what, for what, things, be, uh, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Recently after preaching a funeral, the brother of the deceased came up to me at the graveside and asked if he could speak with me. Here was a man who was saved as a teenager and had been challenged many times to give his life for Christ. While he was not living in wicked sin, his life had been consumed with making a living. He'd done a great job. I've been in his home. He has what the world would call a great portfolio. But he said to me there at the grave of his sister, you know, I have a tendency to think that what I do is really important. As an engineer, people are constantly waiting on me to get my projects done so that the business can go forward. Without me, nothing can happen. But I've realized today that it's you, as a preacher, that really has the important work. Your life counts for something bigger than anything in this world. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So subpoint A, we have a something messenger, and both of these start with a P as well. Not persuasive. It's like not super common word. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven letter word. Think of, think of Plato. A pliable messenger. 
Jonah was now ready to preach the message that God had given to him. Pliability may be the most important ability. It says, when I was a young man, Dr. Joe Boyd said to me one day, son, you've got to learn to be ambidextrous. At the time, I had to go look that word up. Upon discovering the meaning, I knew what he meant. I was too set in my ways. I was always wanting to do things my way. It was time that I learned to be flexible and willing to do things God's way. Psalm 40, verse 8. Our great example prayed this in Matthew 26, 39. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then subpoint B. A something message. And again, this is a P. Probably very hard to guess this one. I guess you think of, uh, think of academics. This is not something you want to do. What your teachers in college always threatened you with your life to not do. A plagiarized message. A plagiarized message. The author's saying here, it says, I have a sermon that I call the Scripture Sermon. In it, I use nothing but Bible verses from beginning to end. It says, when people have commented on how God used that message in their lives, I've said, I plagiarized the whole thing. Here's one area where you won't get in trouble for plagiarizing, for copying. Ephesians 6.17 the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on thy gates. Sometimes a preacher will read his text from the Bible, set the word of God aside you know, as if to get it out of the way, and then tell us what they think they need to hear. He says, I always tell young men who are training to preach, he says, you'd be better off to get what you're going to say out of the way and then pick up the word of God and read it. <laughs> and just read it. Another story from the, from the author here. It says, I remember preaching my first sermon in church to the teen Sunday school class. It says, at the time, I was not called to preach, but I was definitely thinking about it and wondering if that was what God had for my life. It says, the pastor of the church sent his wife down to the class to listen to my sermon, probably so you'd know what he'd need to straighten out later. It says, fortunately, after I finished, he came up and said, John, that was a good sermon. Exhausted from the experience, I said, I don't know where your husband gets all his sermons. <laughs> She held out her Bible in front of her, looked at me, and said, John, they're all in here. She's right. We don't have to come up with our own. God has a whole book of them waiting to be delivered. It's an interesting point, a plagiarized message. It's now on to point three, a something message. We got an urgent matter, a useful minister. And now this has to do with the message and something message. 
Starts with a U. You generally think of this word in a negative way. Uh, unheated. Similar, if you think think of uh, one of the verses that we read, back in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 21, you know, preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It's along those lines. Please God by the foolishness of preaching. Think of food. If you want, you definitely don't want your food to be this. <laughs> it is very close to that. Unsavory, yep. Unsavory message. An unsavory message. Think about it for Jonah. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Not exactly the kind of sermon that wins friends, builds attendance, or stimulates a good love offering. And also consider where he's preaching it too, as well. In chapter 1, God says of this city that, think of verse, back to 1 verse 2, that their wickedness is come up before me. The reaction to this message was probably similar no, to those in Noah's day or Lot's day. This is an interesting thought, no, but we only control our actions, not others' reactions. And it's really easy to get caught up on people's reactions to stuff, but we can only control our actions, not others' reactions. Ezekiel had a similarly tough task. Ezekiel 3, 7 to 9. House of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder, as an adamant harder than flint, have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Made your forehead stronger than their foreheads. <laughs> think of on that. Did <laughs> you think of like the, the dinosaurs with the big old like skull caps, you know, that like uh, headbutt stuff and everything? No, but it's interesting to think about that. How about getting told that before you even go? They're not going to listen to you. <laughs> That's really uh, builds a lot of positive thoughts, doesn't it? I mean, essentially, those prophets. They had a very tough job, what they did. Especially think of Ezekiel, just some of the things that God made him do, that God required of him as a prophet. Um, it was not a light task. Again, because it was now. Subpoint A, the something of God. Both of these start with a W. The wrath. That's correct. The wrath of God. Judgment was about to fall. Jonah was commissioned to give these people one final warning. It's an interesting kind of think about it. He probably was their last warning. John 3.36 on the sheet there. 
he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on people. I wonder who we will meet today that needs one final warning. I mean, think about that. Like, um, you never know who you're talking to that's going on in their life. Of, uh, of course, then you think of, we can think of that and, of, you know, when you judge up front, you know, like people who look really rough, you know, or um, might look like they're, you know, they're on drugs and this kind of thing, you know. It's easy to think about it in that way. Well, yeah, but person who looks totally fine that's contemplating suicide or that's something going on they're going to get in a car accident on the, you know what I mean you never you just never know but I wonder who we'll meet today that needs a final warning God's a God of love but he's also holy man thinks that God and his love will have pity you know and let him slip into heaven. That's basically the popular gist of, of uh, most of Christianity today, you know, even non-Christianity today, in spite of it. And that's why you got to have, you know, your good outweigh your bad. And every other religion, you know, it's always a works to try and do this and get to a certain states and points and stuff like that. Listen to the warning that's given in Ezekiel 7, 3-4. Now is the end come upon thee, and I will send mine anger upon thee, and will judge thee according to thy ways, and will recompense unto thee all thine abominations. And mine eye shall not spare thee, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense thy ways upon thee, and thine abominations shall be in the midst of thee, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Psalm seven eleven. God is angry with the wicked every day. And God has given us the responsibility of warning them of that. Kind of an unsavory message in a way, you know. But there's also subpoint B here, the something of grace. Well, think of it's an urgent matter, the wrath of God but there's a something of grace, a window, the window of grace. You know, God could have destroyed Nineveh already, but instead he gives them a window of 40 days to repent. You know, we don't know when Christ will return or how long we have to live, but we have, but the time we have to do business with God is a gift of His grace. That window may remain open for many years or it could close today. It's not known. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And like the Apostle Paul, we need to recognize and respond to our, in our lives to God's grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which he bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they, than they all, yet 
not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You're no doubt familiar with the little nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Someone has wisely rewritten that. Jesus Christ came to our wall. Jesus Christ died for our fall. So that, so that regardless of death and in spite of sin, through grace he might put us together again. So again, kind of a not very typical lesson on Jonah that you think of. But some good, some good thoughts, and again, thinking of the pronouncement of judgment, that it's an urgent matter. And God requires a useful minister that can deliver an unsavory message on that. Any thoughts, anybody else, stood out to you tonight or anything? the urgency of, of the message. I mean, if you look in the, at the news, it's like, it seems like just things in this world are coming to what the Bible talks about at the end time. Like more and more, I mean, of course it has been, but it just seems more and more that what's going on, wars and rumors of wars, this is like, I'm kind of sure. Commands are always in the present. Uh, it tells us to do something. It's not something we need to, need to do. It's something we need to do now. It's a future thing. But feedback's on like kids and stuff. You know, we can always have these thoughts that we know we need to do. That's something that I never really thought about that struck me looking at it yet is that God, at least generally, always speaks in the present tense. Now. Like all those verses, today, now, 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 now. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day of salvation. Today. Anything else? That another interesting note, it's really easy to get hung up on people and how they're going to react to what you say. But again, you, uh, you can only control, I can only control my actions, not anybody else's reactions. And as long as it's delivered in a right way, with a right heart, it's off your hands, you know, it's there, it's in their court and they're responsible for their reactions to things.
the um, there's another another something else that was kind of really interesting, but uh, just the idea of promptness of uh, again, kind of that whole speaking in the present tense on that. Last thoughts? Anybody? Not necessarily like a rah-rah type of message, but hopefully some thought, thought-provoking on it. Oh, here was the other one I was thinking of, but I wonder who we'll meet today that needs one final warning. Because you never know who that is. And probably it's not who we think. Often probably isn't. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I do thank you for thank you for the lesson tonight. And again, when we think of, of Jonah, I know often we don't think of these these kinds of things. But um, again, how it is an urgent matter that we have, that we deal with, that you're looking for people that you can use, that are useful to you, to deliver what is often an unsavory message because, you know, salt can be irritating, light can be irritating, and it definitely goes against our natural, comfortable, liking human flesh (laughs) and stuff. But um, just the thought of someone who needs a final warning and who you want us to be the one to do that too. And again, obviously not everybody that you prompt us to is in that situation, but maybe more than we know. And just help us to, again, use a plagiarized message, yours, that you've given us to use, that we would be useful and that we would do what you tell us to do because you tell us in the present tense to do it. And um, help us to be thinking about these things this week as we are going about our daily lives with how um, it's so easy to get caught up, like the guy in the story, get caught up in our lives and living and not what our purpose, whole purpose of being here is on that. And I do ask that you would... Just be with us as we go to our homes and bring us back together again on Wednesday. And those that are sick, that they'd be able to, uh, to get better soon. And we just uh, we'll be able to get, be getting out of just the, the season of sickness often as it is in, in the winter. And be able to be 